You're listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. Hi, Katie. Hi, Zach. Is your laptop charged? Uh... Pretty much. Okay. Well, you're going to have some studying to do. That's why I asked. Oh, okay. Whew. I can always plug it in, thank goodness. That is true. Uh, we are at home. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a, a topic for you that is something that you mentioned a couple weeks ago. I highly doubt you remember mentioning it because you didn't even mention it in the form of that would be a good episode, but I made a mental oh. note. Okay. Cool. Um, so I'm taking a psychology class, mm-hmm. and when the class began, Katie said, oh, have you ever heard of fill in the blank? And I said, "Mm, no, I don't think so. And she was like, okay, well, let me know if you learn about it. I remember learning about it in psychology and it was really cool. I have no idea what you're going to say. I don't remember this conversation at all. So I made a note of it and I was like, I I was not familiar with what you mentioned. Uh Um, But I was like, that sounds interesting. That sounds like it would make a good episode. And this may be a very short episode, which would also be totally fine because I truly don't know how much there is to know or tell about this thing. Uh-huh. But you asked if I had ever heard of the case of the man who thought his wife was a hat. Oh, yes. Have you have you learned about it yet? No. Okay. Uh-uh. Yeah. All right. But like I, I said, like... it stuck with me. It sounded intriguing. So yeah. I, I figured that, would, that, that sounds like something you could teach us about. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it'll turn into an episode about whatever, um, you know, mental condition was going on with him uh, as to why he thought his wife was a hat. Um, Sure. Yeah, that's the thing. He had some sort of brain injury that, like, knocked his head around and he was pretty much, I mean, this is just what you had told me. He was pretty much all good except he saw his wife as a hat. Yeah. Well, that was only once that that happened but he he just had problems recognizing things all the time Mm -hmm. and one of the instances he saw his like he had such trouble recognizing things that he saw his wife and thought she was a hat and as far-fetched as that sounds like that's how difficult recognizing things was for him (laughs) so yeah i was having a hard time i don't remember exactly but yeah cool I'll find out. Great. Yeah. Tell us. Enlighten us. Yeah. It should be a fun Teach story. Teach us. Hopefully. I hope so, too. Okay. Cool. Whew. How'd it go? It went well. It went well. Uh, what listeners don't know is when we stopped recording the little intro... I said to Zach, like, the my biggest concern with this episode is just that that thing I talked about, the man who thought his wife was a hat, just doesn't exist, and I was just wrong. But, so the good news is that is not true. It very much exists, and I was right to it. It is a thing. Okay, great. So, so we have good. an episode. We're we, going to record? Yes, we okay. have an episode to do. Um, I, I would ask you, Zach, and the listeners to indulge me a bit on this one because what I did was I I looked into that exact anecdote like I said like what who was that guy what was going on there so I found that out and then I looked into the disorder he was experiencing that made him mistake his wife for a hat and so 
I'm going to go into all of that, but I'm definitely coming at it from a place of under, you know, having an overview and understanding of this really rare neurological disorder that people have versus like explaining to you exactly how it happens in the brain and stuff because mm-hmm. I'm not equipped for that and I don't think it would be interesting. So Trust we're just... me, I know how you feel if yeah. you heard the microwave episode. <laughs> okay, great. So... Can we still call the episode uh, The Man Who Thought His Wife Was a Hat? This or is, is what I'm copy thinking. Copy... Is it copywritten could... or copyrighted? Uh, copyrighted? I I don't really Either know. Way. Either way, I'm thinking we should call it, uh, this is a, a spoiler, visual agnosia, colon, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Okay, you lost me there at the beginning because I was like, I listen to plenty of podcasts. I'm probably going to skip the episode that's called visual bognosia or whatever you just said. <laughs> but as long as you keep that part about the guy thinking his wife was a hat in mm-hmm. the title... I would click that. Okay, great. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This will be a fun departure from our normal, pretty short titles to a nice long title, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So we're going to do it. Okay, so first, let's get into it. Who was the man who mistook his wife for a hat? What's going on with that, right? Right. So what's going on with that is the reason why I think I remember it so well is because it's actually very popular Thing. It's not just one tiny incident that I happen to remember a line from a textbook. It's a it's a very well known uh, incident because of a man named Oliver Sacks, who is a neurologist, who wrote a book titled "The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat," and that book was comprised of twenty four essays that were all about different case studies and his work as a neurologist. And so one of them was this man who he refers to as just Dr. P, um, who mistook his wife for a hat. See, and and he knew that was the best title for the book. So we have to title the episode. Exactly, exactly. So first I'll tell you about that exact, uh, you know, episode. That guy where this title of the book comes from, what was going on there. So there's this guy. His name is Dr. P. I don't know what his name was. We we call him Dr. P, you know, for anonymity and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Dr. P was a music teacher and he was having just having some weird issues going on. So he went to a doctor, I think originally for some reason he thought he was developing diabetes. Um, and then this doctor was like, I don't think that's it. You should go see a neurologist. So he goes to see Oliver Sacks, who's a neurologist. And basically the experience that Oliver Sacks is having with this man is he will show him a a picture of something, a photo, and ask him what it's a photo of. And the guy can't really tell him. He doesn't know what it is. But he's like a fully functioning person Mm -hmm. he can see he's not visually impaired he can do you know he's fully operational in life he's just having these weird incidents and where the title of the book comes from is at one point they were getting to the end of their session and the man dr p starts to look around for his hat this is like you know several years ago where all men 
wore hats uh-huh. all the time. Several. You pro- I mean, <laughs> probably decades ago, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Many decades ago. Do you ago. know what year or approximately? Um, I, the book came out in 1985, but I'm assuming this was was a bit before that. Right. I should have looked that up, but I don't remember No, exactly I mean, we was. can probably say it was maybe, maybe the, the 50s or yes, 60s. I, I would say so. Um, so Dr. P starts to look around for his hat because he's going to get up and leave. And as he's looking for his hat he puts his hand on top of his wife's head and goes to pick it up as if that was his hat. <laughs> and so, and then the uh, I have an excerpt from the book and it says he reached out his hand and took hold of his wife's head, tried to lift it off to put it on. He had apparently mistaken his wife for a hat. His wife looked as if she was used to such things. Dang. So that's how affected this man was that his wife... Was like, yeah, yeah, that's he does that. Like, you got to be careful with this guy. You're like, honey, can you pass the uh, the salt, and then you just get a steak knife humming towards your head. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. So, Doctor P is uh, not safe. Yeah, well, but that's the funny thing is he was so functional outside of that. Mm-hmm. I know that seems like a big thing, and it is a big thing, but outside of that, he was very functional. Um, he could. So what he could do was if you showed him a a, dry, a shape, like a cube, a rectangle, something like that, he could always he could always recognize abstract shapes, no problem. Even when you showed him face cards of a deck of cards, he could always recognize that's the king, that's the queen, that's the jack because there are patterns and it's like a drawing. He could he could get that, but things like faces were difficult for him. Um it was really interesting. It said Dr. Sachs would show him a photo of Albert Einstein, and the guy could get Albert Einstein because there are some very specifics with Albert Einstein, especially it was probably a photo that's very common. Sure, so, like, yeah. his crazy hair, maybe he was sticking out his tongue like he does in that one photo. Riding his bicycle. Yeah, so he could, like, recognize those particular um, aspects of the photo uh-huh. and say, oh, yeah, that's Albert Einstein. But he couldn't just recognize people. Like, no one, not his very, very close loved ones, anyone. He would show, he saw a photo of his brother and he could, he recognized, he knew his brother had a really square jaw and big teeth. So he could always say, oh, that's my brother. But he wasn't really recognizing his brother. He was Mm -hmm. just recognizing those aspects of that face and knowing that it belonged to his brother. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess that would kind of be like, um, maybe this isn't a great analogy, but if you saw a... um a like pixelated cartoon version of a beer can and it was gray or silver and you could you know there were some blocks of red towards the top and then maybe like a little bit of uh blocks of blue underneath the red if you're familiar with a cores a cores can mm-hmm. you could look at that and you would know it's cores even though you're not seeing a beer can because it's just an abstract rectangle made of pixels and you're not reading the word cores because it doesn't even say cores it's just the uh, it's just some red pixels where the word cores would be and yeah. then the blue where the mountains would be. You know, like you could, you mm-hmm. could, you can think of very popular brands where you might be able to see a, a pixelated version of that and recognize it as such, even though it's, 
you know, I you're not looking at a cereal box, yeah. but it's just a rectangle, and that's enough to like kind of guide your brain to like narrowing it down. Maybe? I see where you're coming from, and I I agree with you. I think me having read more. I feel like what you're saying is almost the opposite of what these people are going through because Perfect. to me but but it also but it is similar in a way because um what I'm I'm about to get well let me say I'll I'll explain like these last few things about Dr. P. So like another thing he did, he showed Dr. P a rose and Dr. P didn't know what the rose was. He could describe it. He could say it was red. It was like all folded in on itself on the top. It was about five inches long. So he can see it. It's not that he can't see it, but he just didn't know what it was until he smelled it. And then he said, oh, it's a rose, of course. Like, I know a rose. Um, And then the same thing with a glove. Like, he could describe this glove in detail, but he did not know what it was until someone said, that's a glove. And then he was like, oh, yeah, of course, a glove. I get it. Put it on your hand. Like, I know a glove. Um, So it's like, it's, he, he can see. That's, that's the, the crazy thing about me studying all of this is just really taking in that the people who are affected by this, they can see. There is nothing wrong with his eyes. He can see exactly the way anyone else who can see can see. It's an issue of understanding what it is he's seeing. So what I was saying, it might be opposite to what you were saying, is for you, for what you were describing is almost relying on our ability to recognize. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what these people lack. They can't recognize. So they can okay. see, yeah, they can process what they're seeing, but they can't recognize visually in his case. Um, and so now I guess I'll get into exactly think, what this is. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but it's worth noting here that it's not a matter of him forgetting the word for it. It's not as no. if he's looking at a rose and going like, dang, what is that called? It's a, um, um, no. it's not that he just straight up does not he it's hard to put into words or hard to think about you or I being in that situation because mm-hmm. we're not there mm-hmm. and this is such an unnatural thing that you can't really replicate unless yeah. you have this sort of injury so it's difficult to um to picture what it would feel like to be like that but i guess it, it i don't know you just have to trust that like there's a literal disconnect in the brain between understanding what it is and knowing what it is well i would say between perceiving what it is and understanding what it is or knowing what it is yeah or yeah maybe those are even three different things it's really it really did kind of blow my mind in a way where all of a sudden i was i think of senses now differently because before before 30 minutes ago i thought seeing was seeing right like you Mm -hmm. see something and as long as you have the ability to see that's all there is to it, kind of. And now I'm realizing there's so much more to seeing than just the ability to see because you can see something, but then there's a whole nother step of being able to process and understand what that thing is that you're seeing. Right, and we were talking about this actually right after we re- we recorded the intro and I was telling you about um, something that I was reading in my psychology book, which is this, I don't know if you'd call it a phenomenon or whatever mm-hmm. called blind sight, where... People are blind. They can't. They can't see. But it's not that they're. It's not an eye injury where their eyes are no longer functioning, or there's a, a you know they're 
whatever ocular nerve, whatever mm-hmm. it is cut off and you, and that information isn't making it to their brain, their eyes function. The information is making it to their brain, but there, there's a brain injury that prevents those, uh, that information from becoming images. And there was an example of a blind person who was, uh, in, in this experiment was led down a hallway, not led, but told to walk down a hallway and they successfully navigated these obstacles that were in their path that they didn't know were there, that they weren't told were there. There was a, a box laying on the ground or a, you know, a bag in the middle of the hallway. And this person moved around them, even though they are blind and can't see, mm-hmm. but their eyes were taking in this information and their brain was processing it and telling their body to move around them, but they weren't consciously seeing these objects and moving around them. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of similar to what you're saying, yeah. where it's like your brain is taking in this information and processing it, but there's just that disconnect between your mm-hmm. brain knowing what it's seeing and letting the part of you that's talking mm-hmm. knowing what that thing is. Yeah, it's this. It's a really interesting um, phenomenon of recognition that I had never really contemplated that much before. Um, the difference between perceiving and recognizing something, and those apparently are two different things. You may be able to do one and not the other, which is, you know, crazy. And the the more I read about it, like fortunately this is very 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 rare thing mm-hmm. to happen to people and there's lots of different kinds that i'm about to tell you about oh wait but, sorry no go ahead mm-hmm. my bad oh that's okay um but it is it's very very rare so so this is good because the more i've read about it it's it's really sad you know it's just like it's so i i just really felt for people as i was reading about it thinking about people who are dealing with this it's just so difficult. Even like you and I right now, it's hard to even explain at all. Obviously, we, we aren't experiencing it, which makes it harder to explain. But but can you imagine being in this situation? Like It's just so different than anything I had right. really ever thought about before that it re- you know I really was feeling for these people. But luckily, it is very, very rare. Um, so the thing that we're talking about that is very, very rare is called agnosia. A-G-N-O-S-I-A. I'm calling it agnosia because that sounds pretty good to me. I think that sounds right. The one that we're talking about mostly right now, and I'll be talking about mostly today, is primary visual agnosia, but there are a couple different kinds. But I'll tell you what that is. It's a rare neurological disorder characterized by the total or partial loss of the ability to recognize and identify familiar objects and or people by sight. So again, this is not about not being able to see. You can see. You can see everything. You just can't recognize mm-hmm. those things because of some kind of damage to a certain part of your brain. And, and different from dementia where it's your memory that is diminished and you just simply don't remember that it's this person different. is your your sibling or your... But having something like dementia or Alzheimer's could cause this. It does... Um, did you read why or how Dr. P developed this issue or did he have, I'm they, assuming he didn't have any sort of traumatic injury that, that spurred it or else that would have been part of the story. The fascinating thing about Dr. P is he, they never actually found out exactly what was wrong with him. They think it was probably either a degenerative brain disease like Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that was going on or um, a tumor 
just undiagnosed. Like, you know, he never went in and found it. They probably never saw him again after that. They were like, all right, you have another appointment next week. And then he just like went to the (laughs) deli and he was like, no, where are they? You know what? That's the thing I want to point out. I was about to say, um, I appreciate your joke, but I want to make clear that this uh, condition has nothing to do with a lack of intelligence or intention or attention or anything like you yeah, know because it's know. easy it's yeah. easy to think of this and be like well that person must be utterly ridiculous and not be able to do anything like it, it's not that they're they're you know can be a very high functioning individual they're just lacking this one thing that seems so integral to the world but dr p actually had this really interesting coping mechanism where this sounds this sounds wild and I you know I'm just going to say it cuz I read it but he would sing to himself like I said he was a music teacher so when oh, he was yeah. eating a meal he would kind of like sing to himself as he was like doing the meal like eating the food and putting the butter on the bread and stuff and his wife said that if there was an interruption like a knock on the door and it cut off his song all of a sudden he was lost all of a sudden, he couldn't mm. recognize the things in front of him anymore. He didn't know this fork or knife or anything. But then as long as he could get into his rhythm with his song, he could do it all. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then another thing with these with people who are dealing with this, oftentimes, so, so they can't recognize the person in front of them. But if you start moving and you speak and they can hear your voice and see your movements then they can get who you are. Like, if they know you, mm-hmm. you know? Then they're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know... My, like, he had students, music students, and he would be able to say, oh, yeah, that's that student because he could recognize their movements yeah. or their mannerisms or their voice. Um, so I think because of things like that, like, that's why him having his little song could get him through. But then if it was interrupted, he was thrown off. Get- it's just like, why? It's just such an... It's so different way of being yeah. than anything <laughs> I've ever been familiar with. It's crazy. So like I said, I was I have been talking about visual agnosia this whole time, basically. Uh, so if you have visual agnosia, you usually you can't name or describe the object in front of you just by looking at it. But if you can touch it, smell it, um, hear it, hear it, mm-hmm. whatever characteristics it might have, then you usually can identify it. Okay, is this all making sense? So yeah, far, yeah, it is actually. Cool. Surprisingly, in that it's not a, a knock on <laughs> your potential, but it's just like this is a difficult yeah, topic. Yeah, it's definitely I, I can complicated. Tell, but yeah, this is making sense. So there are three main types of agnosia visual, auditory, and tactile. So visual occurs when there is brain damage along the pathways that connect the occipital lobe of the brain with the parietal or temporal lobe. And this is because the occipital lobe (laughs) assembles uh, incoming visual information. And then the parietal and temporal lobe allows you to understand the meaning of that information. So it makes sense, right? Like you can process it coming into this lobe, but then if there's a disconnect between that lobe and the ones that tell you the meaning of it, you can only get what it looks like. You can't actually get the meaning of it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. You get it. There are two different types of visual agnosia, apperceptive and associative. Um, they, I, I've read about them a bunch, and it's very hard for me to distinguish the difference between them. Um, but one of them, so apperceptive, you might not be able to like draw an object. Like you can't 
you can't perceive the difference between objects if someone asks you to draw a picture of it you can't do it but then um but then if you can pick it up and stuff and interact with it you can usually figure out what it is and then associative uh you can't recall information associated with it but you could be able to draw a picture of it so those two are are a little difficult for me to discern but just so you know they're both out there so that would mean going back to the rose example if someone said what is a rose you wouldn't the person wouldn't be able to be like oh it's like a it's a plant it's like red it's blah blah blah. but if you said draw a rose they could probably draw a you know rough sketch of what a rose would look like even if they couldn't previously describe to you what it looked like Honestly, maybe. I'm not I, I really don't have a good enough handle on the difference between those two to, to make a call. Make something up. No. <laughs> no, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be uh, professional here. Sorry. Uh no, it's quite alright. So the next kind of visual agnosia is prosopagnosia, also known as face blindness. So I've this heard is of one that, that I don't yeah, know what it is, but I feel I've like heard more people term. have heard of this. So this is kind. Of, this is what Dr. P definitely was suffering from this, along with maybe a little bit more. Um, but but face blindness is the inability to recognize familiar faces. So um, it has to. It's when you have issues with this specific region of the brain that recognizes faces. Um, it says it can also occur with Alzheimer's disease, which to me was interesting because I'm sure there's. Uh, as we know, Alzheimer's deals with loss of memory, so I'm sure part of people with Alzheimer's not recognizing their friends and family is because they've lost that memory. But also, some of it could be this, where they just literally that don't recognize just the face. Fractured, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another kind is called achromatopsia, which is color blindness. But this, as I understand, is is a different kind of color blindness than. The common okay. color blindness yeah, yeah. that we know like happens more to men than women and all that. This is just an inability to identify colors. So in a similar way that you just can't recognize or identify objects, you can't recognize or identify colors. Um, this one is just wild to me. It's called agnostic alexia and pure, and that's also known as pure alexia, is the inability to recognize words visually. So you can't read. You will never be able to read words. You can still speak and think, even write words, but you can't visually see a word and recognize it as that word. Wait, did you say you'd be able to read still? No, no, no. Oh, you can't okay. read. That's the one thing you can't do. You can speak. Yeah, that makes you sense. You can write. You can understand words. You can think and all that, but you just can't read. Just like how Dr. P can't look at a photo of his brother and know it's his brother you can't look at a word and know it's that word that sounds horrible i know right it's just it's crazy yeah I, it's right yes okay i'm glad you're experiencing no this i mean me. that that's so unfortunate because it's like even though all of these people's um other senses are fully intact mm-hmm. it's like well how do you nurture those how do you learn i mean that takes yeah. a very specialized education to Definitely. be able to teach Teach someone like that. That's, and like that's I said, it's, it has nothing to do with intelligence right. or like, anything like that. Yeah, that's like what I that. mean. Like you're fully capable mm-hmm. in every sense except this one that is really so tiny right. but is the source of practically 
all knowledge, you know? I think this is a good, um, it's good for us to recognize that I think this happens with a lot of disability, where a disability may affect this one part of you, and us as society often interpret that as a lack of intelligence, a lack of ability, a lack of all kinds of things, and it's like, no, it isn't actually that. It's this one tiny thing that's affected, and you just need to, you know, be treated in a different way in that area, or just, like, given a, an accommodation in that one space. I wonder if... Uh people with that affliction can learn to read braille or if they have the same issue there i bet they could no because that would be tactile and this right. is just visual but yes you're right but i also read in that book mm-hmm. that um when people experience vision loss their the parts of their brain that normally are reserved for the processing of images through your eyeballs those parts of the brain will become uh a sort of um, those parts of the brain will start to aid in the reading of Braille mm. because they are no longer necessary because there aren't any images coming in. So the brain recognizes that and it switches over that that portion of the brain. It's like, okay, you guys no longer process images. You process the feeling <laughs> of Braille bumps against the fingers. And it's like, so the part of the brain that used to, used to work for sight yeah. now works for that so I, I wonder if but you're saying because these people can see and still do use their you know visual part of their brain if they wouldn't have i don't know i, I, I yeah don't know. I, I don't know if that means that they would have enhanced braille reading uh or abilities or, or like reading. have the same issue in terms of recognizing a word because i would imagine that the same part of your brain that recognizes the word is the same part whether you're looking at it visually or feeling it with braille no no that's the exact thing that i'm saying though this is only about visual if it's tactile that's a different thing this is about an issue with the part of your brain the occipital lobe that takes in visual information and then pushes it over to the other part of your brain that understands it so it it's nothing to do so they probably would be able to read braille yes yeah they probably would yeah yeah which is they would just have to learn and that seems hard. they would have to learn it but maybe they could um so the last uh, visual agnosia is akinatopsia akinatopsia which is also called motion blindness this seems just wild to me it's the inability to perceive motion of visualized objects so you might see if an object is moving you might see it as a series of stills, like the way we see when there's a Ooh, strobe, like a strobe light. light. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if it's very severe, you might not be able to perceive motion at all. Isn't that, that just wild? Yes, like, that sounds horrible. And here's the thing: you can see, you can see, you just can't perceive motion. It's just like, wow. Yeah, I really give these people credit. Um, so now let's move on to auditory verbal agnosia. So everything was visual before. Now we're on to auditory. So auditory verbal agnosia is known as pure word deafness. So it's the inability to recognize and understand spoken words. Again, you can hear them. You can hear the words. This is not being deaf like you're, you know, you can't, you can't hear. You can hear, you just can't process what you're hearing in a way that you can understand it. You can still read, write, and speak. You just can't understand words. That sucks. It's like, it's hard to explain, but it's just not being, it's almost like um, another language. 
right? Like if you're with people who are speaking a different language, you can hear, you can speak, you know, you're speaking your language, mm-hmm. but um, but you just don't know what's being said. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. Because that, that's what it seems like. It's totally like you can read, write, speak. You just can't understand words being said to you. Mm. I wonder if they can hear, can they like comprehend tones? I don't know. I wonder. I don't know. All right. So the next kind <laughs> of auditory agnosia is phonagnosia. Wait, how many auditory agnosias are there? This is the last one. There's only two. All right. Don't get oh, defensive. Okay. I was just wondering. I thought you were like, come on, move on with it. <laughs> um, so this is the inability to recognize and identify familiar voices. So now you can hear everything. You just can't have that moment of recognition of, oh, that's my mom or that's, you know, my neighbor or something. Like you can't, it's similar to the face blindness where you can't you can see it's a face in front of you you just are like i don't know whose face that is so far out of all of these i would pick this one if i had to have one yeah Mm -hmm. okay fair enough uh now we're moving on to tactile agnosia uh which is the inability to recognize objects by touch which for some reason this one is like even the hardest to comprehend for me um it says you can feel the weight of the object you just might not be able to understand the significance or the use of it um you can name it you can draw like i don't really understand like you 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 know what it is except you can't know what it is by touching it maybe it's just like if you if you if you're in the dark and someone hands you something you and i might be able to be like oh that's a book and and someone with this might be able not be able to do that. They can be like, I can feel how heavy it is. I can feel it's like you can flip through it, and but I but I can't recognize what this is just by touching it. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, I, that I'm, yeah. I'm gonna stop going off on trying to relate because this is yeah. I just can't. <laughs> okay, um, and then the last one, autotopagnosia. This is the last tactile one. Is when you lose the ability to recognize parts of your own body meaning like i get like Like if your foot's broken you can tell you hurt but not where you hurt or i don't think so it's more about um being able to point to a part of your body or or see it and know that that's your foot i'm not sure i might cut this part Um, (laughs) no we're keeping it (laughs) (laughs) all right so maybe probably hopefully you're thinking right now well gee how does this start because it sounds kind of rough and maybe we want to avoid it so like i said before the good news is it's very rare um it's not like running rampant out Mm -hmm. there but it does happen and and like i said it's when there's some some kind of damage in your brain between those specific lobes uh different ones depending on what kind of agnosia you have so it's usually caused by lesions on your brain. I guess that Which can, are caused by what? Which are usually caused by, like, the most common, I think, ways that that would occur is by a stroke, head trauma, mm. or encephalitis. And then also other brain deterioration conditions like dementia, brain cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, or even... Um, 
loss of oxygen supply to the brain, which is what happens in a stroke, including, though, carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, wow. Could cause this. Yeah. So that seemed to me like the most um, avoidable way this could happen. Because the rest of them, a stroke, you know, dementia, a tumor, um, severe head trauma, like these are all things that unfortunately we you can all take are, all the steps we're trying like to avoid them ever, at all times yeah. but yeah it's kind of going to happen or not happen um carbon monoxide poisoning though is pretty crazy that it could lead to something like this but yeah another good reason to make sure your carbon monoxide detector has his batteries in yep and then get one to wear around your neck at all times <laughs> yeah by the way, I took the batteries out of our carbon monoxide detector. The remote was starting to die. Did not. Yeah, the volume button. It just wouldn't work. So. so brain damage that could cause this, you can identify it through you know, regular scanning techniques like a CT scan or an MRI or something like that. So if, you, if you're wondering if you might have something like this, you could go get an MRI. They could find out for you. So the next thing that you might be thinking about is let's say you have this can you make it better? And the answer is not really. There's not a, there's not really a great way, you know, there's not like a medicine you can take. Mm-hmm. There's not really a treatment in that sense. Um, there's, yet. Yeah, yet. You never know. There's therapies that you can go through in that you can kind of do exercises or rehab-like techniques, basically just helping you um, practice. And Does that work? It, it most certainly doesn't work in that all of a sudden you're able to recognize things. As far as I understand, it's more about developing um, cues for yourself to help you get better. Like like Dr. P, how he could recognize his brother's jaw and his teeth. Okay. He still wasn't recognizing his brother, but that was kind of like a coping mechanism there, right? So he still – he was yeah. able to figure that one's my brother through those little like piecemeal – putting together um, little bits that he could Right, so it's more training on how to cope with it rather than any sort of therapy that is attempting to repair that broken connection. Yeah, it's not repairing it. I mean, if if it's an underlying disorder like dementia or something like that where your brain is deteriorating, um, and as of now, as far as I know, we we don't have – obviously, we don't have a cure for Alzheimer's and dementia. I think they're working on treatments to improve it. So if it's something like that – there might be a way to um, to help reverse it. But if it's something like a brain trauma or a stroke where, you know, the damage is done, no, there's not going to be a way to reverse this. But there are ways, like you said, to make it better by... To help you cope. Right. Yeah. And that people who have that face blindness, um, that's often how they they help themselves function a little bit better. Uh, a lot of times they use secondary clues like clothing, how someone walks, their hair color, skin color, body shape, their voice. These are all really helpful yeah, ways to Yeah, you could just make your whole family wear the same clothes all the time, like a cartoon. <laughs> you could. But even without doing that, think about it. Think about your family and friends. They wear similar clothes to themselves all mm-hmm. the time. They walk the same way they always do. They most certainly sound the same way they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just learning to rely on those other cues as opposed to being able to just look at their face and know who it is. So that that's that's pretty much it. I know that was a lot. That <laughs> no, was a lot, but I, I feel like it came out very uh, in a very 
even flow. That okay. was yeah. I hope I, so. I, I, I was able to make sense of I all hope of it. I, so I hope other people are too. I hope I was able to express. I I really found this fascinating. It just felt like it was one of those topics where I I really I I know it's a cliche and it's so overused, but I felt like my mind was blown. Like I I just felt like this exploded my mind and made me think about things in a very different way. And I just think it's always cool to contemplate how other people are having different experiences than you, even if they don't have these, you know, conditions. But but when you think about this, it really does put in perspective how people are out there having very different experiences than you are. And it's just important to have an awareness of that and to operate in your world knowing that we're all operating in our own worlds mm. and have different things going on. Yeah. So that's kind of what I took away from this. Um, that's great. Do you want to know the craziest part of all of this? Yes. Mr. Oliver Sacks, the neurologist, mm. has face blindness. He didn't know until later in life. He was living with it for his whole life. And he was always, there's this long New Yorker article about it that he wrote that's really, really interesting. I read part of it. But he talked about how his whole life, like he couldn't, he always had a hard time recognizing his friends at school. And he just thought it was a weird quirk with him, you know, and people would make fun of him and he'd feel bad. But but he didn't do anything about it. He just thought, I have a bad memory or something yeah. like that. And he said, like, one of the things I read was it it was so bad that he he saw a psychiatrist twice a week for a while. The same guy. He would go in twice a week. And one day, he was in his session with him. He went downstairs to the lobby and came out. And there was a guy in the lobby who was, like, acting really friendly to him like he knew him. And he didn't realize until the doorman called that friendly guy by his name, Oliver Sacks was like, oh my god, that's my psychiatrist who I've been seeing two times a week who I was just with five minutes ago. Like he couldn't, he didn't recognize him. Well, perhaps this whole uh, book title is just completely false. The man who mistook his wife for a hat. Maybe uh, Dr. Sacks was mistaking a hat rack for that man's wife and <laughs> no. maybe he really was grabbing his hat and dr sex is like what the heck is going no, on no i don't think so but that's it how is... face blindness works though right i'm totally kidding oh okay <laughs> don't be rude um but i mean he said there there have been times where he would look in a mirror and <laughs> no don't laugh this is true he would look in a mirror and not know it was himself he was looking at that I'm laughing because that would be frightening and hilarious to witness. Yes, that I mean, it's not hilarious. It's like I can't imagine how difficult that makes life, you know? Yeah. And just how no, I, for sure. Overwhelming it must be for that to be your reality. Um, so, but yeah, I thought that was really kind of wild that he spent his life studying not just people with agnosia he studied all kinds of different people all kinds of different psychological disorders but then to turn out that he has this very very rare one yeah it, relatively speaking his career was so close to the, the people who would be studying exactly what he was affected by and he didn't even know he had it. yeah yeah and he was studying something so similar yeah. Again, relatively speaking, so similar well, to was, what he was affected by. He was you know? studying that too. I mean, he he didn't just study agno. He studied all kinds of psychological 
or you know neurological yeah. disorders he it wasn't like he was just studying this one thing that was so adjacent to what he had he was studying a whole a whole host of things um it's just it's just so ironic that he of all the people in the world who dedicated their life to studying that, he is one of the people who has this incredibly rare thing that falls within that spectrum. That's like that, uh, there's that story of that uh, like researcher or doctor or whatever who found out he was a psychopath from scanning the brains of psychopaths. No. Have you not heard that? No. Oh, okay. He, um, I guess, was studying the brains of psychopaths and you know doing all these scans and comparing them. And he came across one and he was like, oh, this is a definite psychopath. You can tell by looking at blah, blah, blah. And like it was his own brain. Really? Yeah. Which is crazy. But it's also like, okay, uh, you're determining this off of a scan, which previously didn't exist. So it's like, how would you know you were a psychopath before that? But this guy, it's not like he developed some proprietary diagnosis for face blindness and then realized he suffered from it. It's like, no, he's had it his whole life and just like... I guess never thought to inquire that like this was an actual disorder. He the had. way that I think of it, or I came to think of it, is that um, if you think about anything that could be a degenerative disease in your body anywhere, but especially in your brain, it obviously can get worse with age. So it probably that's what happened to him is maybe it got worse with age, and that's yeah. why it wasn't like he was five years old and couldn't recognize himself in a mirror and couldn't and you know just, yeah, it that was makes so so sense. clear i think it's as he got older he realized that this isn't just me being you know because you meet people all the time who are like i'm terrible with faces yeah I'm great with you know he's probably just that guy who thinks he's terrible with faces he doesn't recognize people um but then once it gets so severe he's like and also he has this knowledge where he's like i am doing that thing i've been studying so yeah. i should look into this um and then once you're shaving and you rent bend down to rinse your face and then you stand back up and you're like ah! <laughs> yeah yep it's that must rough. be a startling moment um so the only last interesting facts i have are that this this the story the the title story the man who mistook his wife for a hat dr p's deal yeah. was turned into an opera uh an opera by a man named michael nyman it was turned into a theatrical production in France uh, with the same title, but in French. It An Indian theater company made a play based on this book. There is a Scottish indie pop band named Travis that has an album called The Man Who that's based on this book. This book had impact on the culture clearly right yeah that's isn't that crazy very crazy and then I've the last thing there's a reference to um to this incident in parks and rec uh apparently jerry you know jerry on that show yeah i think i know jerry apparently has a very gorgeous wife. his wife is christy brinkley which is kind of uh-huh. hilarious and uh he's and- like the old the like oldest guy there, yeah, right? Yeah, and they yeah. always make fun of him. Uh, so his wife is Christy Brinkley, and and I guess in one of the episodes, someone throws out just just this this anecdote, saying maybe something about that explains their relationship. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I know, isn't that kind of wild? The the this really spread and resonated with people. Yeah, this yeah definitely. They, they want to experience. I mean, it, it over and well, over. it kind of makes sense. It's one of those things for me, at least, and hopefully for everybody who hears this. It's one of those things where once you hear it, 
you probably aren't going to forget this. Yeah, you well, know? just like me, why I told well, exactly. the way I told you when you're yeah, learning exactly. psych. Let me know when you hear about the man who mistook his wife for a hat, because that is lodged in my brain for sure. Well, hopefully this podcast will uh, take off like a rocket, and then mm-hmm. a generation from now, everybody will know it and yeah. talk about it, and it will be traced back. We'll to be us. added to the Wikipedia page yeah. after the Parks and Rec reference. It'll be us. It'd be an honor. This is so meta. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real-life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30MinuteExpertPodcast, that's 30MinuteExpertPodcast at gmail.com. If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.